What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dear Vane podcast. I know it has been a minute. I think it's been three or even four weeks since I last posted a podcast, so I sincerely apologize for that. But uh, certainly, I was traveling across the country for work and for pleasure with the family. Then I got sick for a while, and then I had a guest cancel, and it's just like a lot of things played into that. But either way, back trying to get back on the routine of the weekly schedule. Uh, and getting a lot out. So got a few um, a few quick announcements to make and then hopping into the Run and Gun Turkey podcast, which is just me. I uh, got no one else on the podcast. Just trying to uh, talk to you guys in a long format about how I've been able to kill a bunch of these birds on public ground and get really close to a lot, get some buddies on some birds um, over these last few years. Hopefully it helps you guys, helps you guys out because pretty much everybody's in turkey season now. I think Wisconsin starts this coming week. So this week, uh, Wisconsin finally opens up. All right. So real quick, first thing is the Playground 3D Archery Shoot. Uh, It's the third year in a row we're having this. It is at my land on my hunting ground. Um, So we are going to go around on our land. We're going to, I have uh, 15 Reinhardt targets. We'll have two seven target courses, one on the east side of the farm, one on the west side of the farm. Combined total gets you your score. You can shoot the courses as many times as you want. You could shoot the east side five times and the west side one time. I don't care. It's unlimited shooting throughout the day. Best score wins. You just have to go with a partner, keep scoring, all that fun stuff. But the more important thing, there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot. We're going to have some great food. You can bring your own beer. You can bring your own drinks, your own snacks, whatever. We get. We're going to provide lunch. Um, and we have a ton of prizes. Last year we gave over about over, uh, we gave away over a thousand dollars in prizes. We'll probably be pretty close to that, if not more. Again, this year. Uh, and then, I, like I said, we have 15 targets. I got 14 out there, and then we have one back at the cabin at the house where we're gonna have some fun shoot-offs, some shoot-downs, some prize shoots, some carnival shoots, things like that. So good time for everybody, just hanging out, meet new people, having fun, having a good time. All right, so that is Saturday, June 17th. Again, Saturday, June 17th is Father's Day weekend. Father's Day is on Sunday. Um, so everybody can come down on Saturday, hang out, have a good time, then roll back to catch up with family the next day. All right, so that's the first thing. Next thing, just want to say thank you again to a couple of our partners, which would be Onyx Maps and Method Archery uh, and Venado, all great partners. Um, and they've done nothing but uh, help me whenever I've asked out. And they will be certainly donating some prizes to the shoot, having a good time, um, so that you guys can can win some of that stuff as well. All right. So with that, we can hop into the Running Gun Turkey podcast. And this is, like I said earlier, uh, basically the last couple of years I've been able to get Wisconsin effectively gives you unlimited uh, unlimited turkey tags. And it's not like truly unlimited, but it kind of is that way because you can buy one a day until they run out um, after you apply. So Wisconsin has six turkey seasons. All of them are a week long. You apply for one uh, in the beginning of it by like early December. So you get that one. And then the rest, like say they issue out 10,000 tags for a region, uh, then only 6,000 people apply. That leaves 4,000 tags left over. And then everybody can buy whatever tag they want, and you can buy one a day until they're out. So some units, like they know, they usually don't even run out. So you can just keep buying tags. Um, and other units, like the unit that I hunt, which is the Milwaukee area, uh, that unit generally sells out pretty quick. Um, but this year, I was able to snag three. 
Uh, the last two years, I've gotten two birds, filled both those. So this year, trying to get three of them. Um, and they do eat really well. I eat the legs, I eat the breasts. Um, and there's like, yeah, pretty much legs, breasts, wings, all that fun stuff. So um, yeah, and the family likes it. So it's a good time. And there's a lot of birds by me. If you haven't seen the video I posted up to socials uh, the other day, I was just out walking my dog, been trying to get him to lose some weight. So I've been taking him for morning walks before I start work. And, um, and I ended up running into a bunch of toms that actually I was hiding behind my phone case and my phone case is red. I was crouched down on the ground and these toms came around a corner on the four wheel trail on public ground. And there were four of them and uh, the sun was at my back. So all they saw basically was this crouched down blob, a red square right in the middle of it. And then the sun behind it. So three of these toms just came burning in right to me. They got to like under 10 yards before I stood up and went blah, blah, blah and scared them all away because they were coming in to kill <laughs> or at least attack me. And I wasn't, I was not interested in getting spurred or anything like that. And honestly, I'd never been in that situation before and I didn't know what to do. And when they got close enough, I just freaked them out and made them run, run away. Uh, it's pretty wild, pretty cool, um, pretty cool little thing. But anyway, Lots of turkeys around around where I'm at, um, and it's a good time. So, uh, and and for me personally, like running and gunning turkeys was not uh, it was not my first choice. Um, I hunted a lot down near Dodgeville, a lot like near our hunting land, um, and then I hunted a few other spots uh, along the Wisconsin River and whatnot. And generally, in like growing up, I I never I've never hunted with somebody who's really like a big turkey hunter guys who just like can call um and are really good at it and do like you know all the things and set out blinds and decoys i've never i've never had that mentor in my life so really uh we moved out to where i'm at now and started hunting out here um and then we bought our land and i was going back and forth between hunting here hunting our land and out here there's just enough birds that um or in the certain areas like it took me a long time to figure them out like three four years it took me to figure out where the birds like to be. And that was just going out all the time in the morning, in the spring, doing scouting missions for whitetails, trying to find some sheds. And I just kept running across turkeys here and there. You put enough miles on, you're going to find out where the turkeys generally like to hang out. So my biggest thing, for, first of all, like I think I'm going to try to like frame this up as like tips to help you guys be, be successful or at least like... Um, I guess if I were to give advice on how to kill these birds, uh, and some of some days, like, okay, first of all, just to outline like all of this, none of these are absolutes, right? T hunting in the turkey woods is very general. Like some birds love to call, some birds hate to call. Sometimes there's a lot of pressure. Sometimes there's no pressure. Sometimes you kill birds in the rain. Sometimes it's fair weather. Again, these are all just like generalizations and helpful hints that might be able to help you guys um, kill kill a bird. So the first thing is is that I, that was extremely helpful was finding birds, right? Kind of like deer, you got <laughs> the birds got to be there in order for you to kill them. So it took me again like three, four, five years to be able to figure out exactly where these birds really like to be. But once I was able to do that, um, then pretty much habitually year over year, they're generally in the same spots. Like I drive around uh, where I live a lot. There's a lot of public ground and basically like 80, 85% of it does not hold turkeys. 15, 20% of it does. And that's what I found. And that's where I focus all my time. And that's where, 
right? That's where I get in all these birds. So, um, and just for example, like last year, I've, I, I'm not going to say I've perfected it. Certainly, like I'm sure this year will, now that I'm like talking arrogantly or I know what I'm do, doing, this year will throw me for a loop. But uh, last year, I hunted three times and killed two birds. So it was pretty good. And um, one of them I killed at like one in the afternoon. And the other one we killed around like 9, 45, 10 o'clock, something like that. Nothing right off the roost. Um, but certainly have had en encounters off the roost. So basically, got to find the birds first. That's tip number one. Go find them, drive around, check fields. Like you can't kill them if they ain't there and uh, and go find them. And if you're having a really hard time doing that, like you can't find them in the fields or you can't see them from the fields or, or like you're finding feathers in the woods, but you're never actually seeing them or hearing them. The other huge tip I have for that is you got to get out really like you got to put on like a mile as fast as you can in that half hour to 45 minutes before sunlight. Um, it's kind of in a way like elk hunting a little bit, but you got to just, you got to get out on the path, whatever walking path you can get on or whatever woods you can get into and just start moving because they will hammer off in the roost, right? They'll gobble in the roost and then they'll drop down and then they like shut up, right? That's, that's what happens all the time. And, um, and unless you get lucky and you get on one that's hammering right off the roost and he gets down and he's good to go. But besides that, like that's one of the hardest parts is just finding them. So if you can't find them driving around, checking the fields, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, even 7 a.m., then go or you don't have fields or whatever, get in the woods and walk very quickly through the woods and try to find them. Just like put on a mile in that half hour, 45 minutes, a mile and a half, whatever it is however fast you can walk while still listening and find, see if you can hear them up in the trees. Once you do that, you can kind of locate them. And even if you do hear one, keep going because he's going to be there for another like half hour, 45 minutes anyway. So keep going, try to find more, try to pinpoint as many birds as you can. The more opportunity you have, the more likely you are to be successful, right? So if you know one's like, you know, off to your east and you know one's off to your west, then you get another one off to your north. Then you can kind of like, if you know the lay of the land, you can kind of pick and choose your battles where you want to go first, second, third, if you don't connect. So it kind of helps you outline a plan. And that's what I do as well. So like my typical run and gun style is I am on public ground. I do, I do usually get there early. Like I tried, like let's pretend sunrise is at like five. I try to get there around four and I will drive a lot of the parking lots to see if any other hunters are out there. And the other thing as I do is if I am like in terms of safety, right, just trying to make sure like I don't get shot, like I almost always when I am walking like from one place to another, I am as visible as I can be. I am on the trail. I am not calling. I am talking. I'm making noise like I'm not going to sneak up on a bird unless I hear it. So like that generally helps me make sure that I'm not like entering into someone else's territory or anything. I've ran into one hunter out there. He saw me long ways off. He waved, I waved, and we and we both went our separate ways. But yeah, if you're hunting an area where there's a whole bunch of hunters, I also would suggest like wearing orange if you're really concerned about running into other people um, in, in this type of method. Wear orange or even if you're uh, if you're, you know, if you're not hunting public ground, you're hunting private ground, you got 200 acres, this method still works or 100 acres, this method still works. Um, so the general, the general idea, you know, is to get out there, find your birds, listen for them, understand what they're doing, uh, and then 
trying to listen to them, figure out where they're going, wh which direction they're headed, get out in front of them, set up, call a time or two, shut up, and then they let them come in. And if they don't, then you got to reposition again. So like, and, and keep doing the same thing until they are curious enough or you get in a good enough scenario that you can put a legit stock on them and kill them. So there's like, that's like the basic idea of the whole thing. And it sounds easy and it's really, some days it is and some days it is not at all. Um, so once you find, once you like, first thing is, is to find those birds and get after them. Then after that, uh, the next big thing that I would be after is, is how to approach them, right? So if you find a bird, you're like, all right, cool. I can hear one off over here. Uh, knowing the terrain is extremely helpful. Uh, if it, if you're in a brand new spot and you've never been here before, the odds of you like being able to sneak up on this bird and know the vegetation, know the terrain, know the little ditches, the little funnels, the places that like to cross, the pinch points, anything like that, it's really difficult. Like a satellite map like Onyx can help a ton in that regard and you can kind of make the move. But if you can learn the land really well, like this, this method of running and gunning, um, is, is much more valuable. So I would suggest, strongly suggest scouting. And when you're done hunt, like if you're done and you don't like you, you screw up your hunt or whatever, and the turkeys are busted or whatever, then go explore the entire land. Because a lot of times like where turkeys like to be today, they also like to be there tomorrow and the next day and the next week. They like habitual spots. There's a reason they're generally there. So if you run into turkeys and you screw up a hunt and they bust you and they run out of there, that's okay. Like, I mean, it sucks. It happens. Happens all. It happened a lot to me in my first three, four, year, five years. But I learned the land in that area so well. Now that when they are in certain spots, they're in certain areas, I know the exact path that I'm going to take that uh, conceals all my movement and conceals a little bit of my noise that allows me to get there at the pace that I want in the timely manner that I want and, and run the setup that I want. Um, and I can plan all that out ahead of time. Like when I hear a gobble and he's, you know, 250 yards off to my right in this little thicket over here. All right. I know there's a ditch over here that I can crouch down in that I can get over here. They generally like to run, you know, north to south along this creek bank. So if I can get in there, drop down in that creek, pop up, set a decoy up on the bank, um, and then back off a little bit or even set it up behind me, move forward a little bit and I can get to this tree that I like, you know, and then they like to come through this little area and then I can shoot them there. Like understanding the terrain is extremely helpful. So once you, once you hear them, like it's, it's generally not enough to just hear them one time. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not a good caller, never been a good caller. I have one buddy, two, maybe two buddies who are decent callers. I don't hunt with a lot of other, other turkey hunters. Um, so I don't, I'm not a good, again, not a good caller. It is a thousand percent. Like if you're good at calling and you know what to say and how to say it and all that stuff, like that is a significant help. I haven't ever learned that. I'm not good with mouth calls really. Like generally speaking, I just yelp a couple times and that's about it. So, um, so for anybody else out there who sucks at calling, <laughs> this method works because I suck at calling. All right. Um, so you, you want to get them, you want to hear them and you want to hear them at least one or two times. And you want to understand like where they are and pinpoint them specifically. And if they are moving a certain directions, like say they're headed North or they're headed South, then 
then between the calls, then like that turkey sounding off on his own, um, then you can kind of make a play on it. And if he just sounds off once, like that's real difficult. Um, it makes it really difficult just because like you don't know where he is, what he's doing. The more he talks, the easier it is to get in on him. Of course, like that's pretty obvious. But if they do just sound off once, sometimes like one scenario I got in, um, or I, I'll, I'll say it first, sometimes they do sound off again. They just sound off very quiet. Like I don't know how they do it. Um, but there's been multiple scenarios where I've been in where I am within 30 yards of a turkey. I can see him like he's in the brush and he calls and he goes, right? And it sounds like he's 200 yards away, but I can see him and I see him making the call and it is just so faint. I don't even know like how they're able to do it or anything, but it's happened multiple times. So, and even one time, like I was sitting with my buddy, he was filming me and, uh, and I was watching the bird. I was like, here he comes, here he comes. I see him and he calls and he goes, dude, he's gone. He's way out there. I'm like, no, he's right here. He's like, no, dude, that call was 200 yards away. I was like, no, he's right here. I'm looking at his head, like, shut up, don't move. He's like, okay. And then that bird eventually just turned and worked off in the brush and we saw him bust out at the end. But man, um, and that time I was using my bow, which was a really bad idea. Since I've switched to a gun, my uh, my success rate has gone way up. So running gun turkeys with a bow, very difficult, extremely difficult. Running gun turkeys with a shotgun, not nearly as difficult because I could have blasted that one in the brush. Um, probably I could probably could have thrown around through there and seen seen what happened. But um, but yeah. So anyway, that's just like if you hear one and he shuts up, then just work your way to that area, especially if it's like right away in the morning because a lot of times turkeys will they'll fly down and toms uh they generally like turkeys know generally if not exactly where everybody else roosts at night within the same like vicinity so a lot of times a tom will roost in a tree and this is again this is not like this is my own experience i've experienced this so this is what i'm telling you i've Toms will roost in trees that are somewhat close to hens, if not with hens. And then when they fly down, they'll generally be with a couple hens right away. So like the idea, and this is why like my late morning and at early afternoon hunts, I feel like have been really good is because these toms will fly down with these two, three, five, eight hens. They'll hang out with all these hens in the morning and they don't need to call that much. They don't need to do a ton because all the hens are right there, right? They're not trying to bring the hens to them. They're not trying to like go to anywhere. They're right there. So pretty much all they need to do is puff up and drum and maybe make some noises to entice them into mating and that's it. So when you're, when, when you hear one hammer off, um, and it's probably like, you know, within the first hour of light, like that generally tells you, okay, he's in this area. And if he just kind of shuts up a lot of times, he'll still be in that area an hour later. So you can head straight to that, head straight to that call. Um, and just slowly work your way in there and let's pretend, let's pretend he's 200 yards off or you like, what I do is when I hear a call and I don't, 
this was starting out. I don't do it so much anymore because I kind of know all these areas. But um, I would draw a line on Onyx where I think that call was. So I'd be standing like on the four-wheel trail and then I'd hear a call and I'd be like, okay, where is he? I'd pull up Onyx Maps, find where I think he is, and then I would put a pin there and then I'd draw a line to it and be like, all right, he's about 200 yards away. Um, so let's pretend, let's pretend in this scenario he's 150 yards away. So what I'm going to do in that scenario, he's, he's quiet. Here he calls. I don't hear anything else. This is the only bird I have to go after. I'm going to work to like probably another 50, 60 yards closer to him and try to get to that hundred yard range. And then I'm just going to hang out for 20, 30 minutes and see if I can hear him again. See if he sounds off again. <coughs> it's it it's in that scenario. It's all about patience. If you're having non-talkative birds, it's all about patience. Um, because like I've done it too many times where he sounds off once and then I go like 50 yards closer, 60 yards closer. And I wait 10, 15 minutes. He doesn't sound off. I wait 30 minutes. He doesn't sound off. I wait 45 minutes. He doesn't sound off. And I'm like, all right, well, let me go check and see like if I can find him. And I get up and I take, you know, 20 steps. I move another 20, 30 yards closer. And there he is with four hens and they're all, you know, stretched out looking at me like, oh shit, someone there, we're off and running. Like they don't move very fast. They really don't, especially early in the morning. They kind of just like mill around in the same like quarter acre area, half acre area for a long time. They're not cruising. Like that mid morning, like that 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., that's when they're generally cruising and moving pretty quick on their own. But in the mornings, a lot of times, like they're just hanging out in one spot unless they like see another turkeys or they see another flock or whatever. And they're after somebody else. Like you see on videos all the time, they'll fly down into a field, like hunting videos. Someone will have the decoy set up on the other side of the field and they'll come running over. Um, in theory, like that, that obviously that, that works in that hunting setup, but in theory, if those decoys that those guys were with were actually like other hens or other toms or whatever, they would all kind of come together and fight it out and hang out, but they would all mill around on that side of the field in that little corner for, you know, another 45 minutes to an hour. Like they generally flock up right away and then just hang out. That's what it seems like to me. So if I'm early morning and I'm like, you know, if it gets light at five, anything before 9am, I'm not for that first four hours, I'm not expecting them to move like incredibly far. Probably around that eight to nine range, they'll start moving or maybe even earlier, maybe like 730 to nine, they'll like start really cruising. But then, you know, around that 10 o'clock frame, that's when you can catch like lone toms, just burning rubber, coming to any call. Because the other thing you have to think about here is when toms roost up and they fly down and they're with all their hens, okay, let's pretend it's, it's midnight at the bar. And you're standing there and you got four or five ladies around you. All of them are interested in you. All of them are talking to you. It's midnight. You're like, hell yeah, like this is going to go well. I have all these ladies to choose from. I'm, I'm good. And then you look up and you start talking to them over the next couple hours and it's 2 a.m. now and none of them are interested in you. They're just sitting there, you know, drinking their Mai Tais and they all want to just go get pizza now. And you're like, well... No one wants to talk to me. Okay, cool. And then you see another girl on the other side of the bar that's like, hey, you want to go have a cocktail again? 
and you're like, yep, I'm going to go hang out with you now. <laughs> and that's who you want to be. You want to be that that girl at 2 a.m. or 2, 2.30 a.m. or whatever that's like, hey, you want to go get a cocktail? Yep. So these toms will fly down, hang out with all their hens for a while. Nothing will happen. They'll get anxious, and then they'll start moving. And then that's when you're able to really pick them up, and they separate themselves from that flock, and then they all go running around. And that's when you like – that's to me, that's when you really pick up those – those like, you know, the obviously the groups of Jake's are always cruising, but then you get like the, uh, and then you get those Toms that are onesie twosies or onesies that are just like, you know, on the hunt looking for another group of hens to match up with and potentially like mate. Cause they've already had like their first five or six they've in the morning, right. They're trying to move. So that was a really long, like drawn out thought. But that's why I don't think they move very far in the morning, like right away. And then towards the mid to late morning, that's when they start cruising and looking a lot. So walking through this scenario again, like when you, if you get on a bird, he hammers one time, it's a really slow play and he's probably got hens with him and you're probably going to move really, really slow. It's probably going to be, you're probably going to be on that bird for four or five hours or something before you actually like really get a chance at him or like maybe he gobbles once an hour or something like that and you can kind of start moving yourself in right and and remember turkeys are they don't care really about sound they don't really care about smell or they don't care care about smell at all they care about sight so like last year for instance i crawled through a burnt field that had like you know 6 8 inches of green up and i crawled 90 yards in it and I was making noise while I was going through it. But these two toms that were kind of just like beating up on each other, they didn't care at all. They were just like showing off for each other. They heard that they, if I were them, I would have, they would have had to have heard me, but they just didn't really care. And I just set up and eventually they started working towards me and I was able to get one. Cause I, again, like in that scenario, I knew that they wanted to go from West to East and like that's just scout scouting wise it seems to be what they always do in that area they either go east to west or west to east and they were on the west side of the of this piece so i knew they were wanting to go east so i came in from the east and i got set up in this little pocket of woods they hung out on that west side for like 30 45 minutes and i was like well i have to leave i actually have to go back to work in like two hours so i got to make a play here and get after them so I crawled across all this grass and I all I used was this terrain, these like rolling hills. And I mean, if you look at it, you'd be like, if someone like you could see me from the road, if someone drove by, they'd be like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> He's just like crawling through this like six inch grass. And I was talking straight up belly crawling, like dragging my body across the ground because that's all I had to work with was this rolling hill that was like six or seven inches tall. So I had to get out there and that was the only way to get there. But it's what ultimately set me up because I was sitting out there just baking in the sun around noon and these two toms were still just playing with each other. And then eventually like one of them came, one of them ran away. And when he ran, the other one followed and they just happened to, well, I knew they wanted to go again from West to East and, and they were able to go right past me and I was able to pick up uh, the first one at like 20 yards. Um, uh, oddly enough though, he had got hit like by a car or something. And if you hop on my Instagram or the Facebook page, you'll see 
all his breast meat and all his leg meat was like neon green. It was disgusting. It was absolutely gross. Like it smelt awful. It's like gangrene coming out of there. I had to throw that whole bird away because it was, that was not good meat. And I was not feeding that to my family. So, um, but either way, like knowing that terrain, knowing what they want to do, um, and then being able to, like the other big thing is if you can hear them, you can get close. And then if you can get eyes on them before they get eyes on you, that's basically like that's 50, 60% of the game, getting eyes on them before they get eyes on you. And that's patience, taking your time, bringing your binos. Like that was, that's been a huge key to my success over the last couple of years is bringing my binos and just checking and checking and checking until I see them. Because if I can see them first and I know what they're doing and I can see, are they just milling around? Are they moving west to east, north to south? Uh, do they have a line of travel they're trying to take? How many are there? Like that can really help me out because then you can account for them all, right? You can always like, if you can see how, how many there are, you can be like, all right, I got eight birds, 16 eyes. When I make my move over here, I need to be account, I need to account for all eight of these birds. If I only find four, like where'd the other four go? Then, then you have to be like head on a swivel trying to figure out exactly where they all are so you don't get busted by them because they might be coming to you. They might've moved away. Like, that's just another big thing is is being able to get eyes on them first. But so it, that's the approach like patient the patient approach if they, if they're not talking much. If they're talking a lot and they're just like every few minutes like yeah in my opinion I move as fast as I can to get to um to get to within 100 yards of them. Like I will use all the terrain features, like if there's a tree line, if there's a ditch, if there's marsh, tall grass, whatever it is, like I'm using all the features I can. I don't really care about sound and I'm just moving as fast as I can to get as close to them as I can while they're talking. Because when they're talking and gobbling, that means they're uh, like, whatever, they're occupied, they're thinking about something, they're, they're doing their own thing and they're telling you exactly where they are. And the closer you can pinpoint that down and get right on them, the sooner you can you are the more likely you are to get eyes on them first, the more likely you are to be able to get close to them, the more likely you are to kill them. Right? So so that's the other thing is is if they're hammering and talking a lot, go fast. Like don't go slow. Unless you have absolutely no idea what the terrain looks like, then you might want to go slow, but still go pretty still go quicker than normal, I guess. Um so then once you have an idea what they're doing, there's a couple different ways. Like last year, uh, I killed one bird with decoys and one bird without. Uh, the bird without was that stalk through the grass that I just told you about. Um, the one with the decoys, um, me and uh, my buddy, Justin, were going through the woods um, or we were going through the marsh and I knew like a general kind of field area, like a clearing they like to hang out in. Got my binos on it. I saw them. I saw three toms and they were going from west to east again. And off to the east was a uh, like little oak flat that I knew they liked to go to. Again, just years of hunting the same piece. So they, they were already headed to that oak flat. I know they're going to go up there and go scratch around for some food, um, look for some hens, whatever. And I knew there was a route that Justin and I could take to get there and it was going to be, we were going to be like, we were going to be getting to that Oak Island at the same time as each other. I knew it was going to be tough and we were going to be like, 
Johnny on the spot, like we were going to get there and pretty much have to pull the guns up and shoot. Um, but that was another thing. So we took the route. We basically ran there. We were huffing and puffing. I was like, dude, we got to run. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yep, we got to go. Like, we're not going to kill these birds otherwise. So we get there and this little Oak Island, I kind of peek up over it. We, we, they're coming from West to East. And now at this point we're we ran all the way around the backside. We're going East to West. We get up on this hill um, of this little oak flat. It's a little piece of high ground in this marshy area. I peek over the top. Um, I can see them or I don't see them. I can't remember what I did at first. I peeked over the top and I knew I needed to set up the decoy. And by peeking over the top, like I'm on my hands and knees and I'm behind a log and I'm looking with my head over the top. I'm not just like, you know, six foot guy walking through the woods, looking over the top of the hill. Like if you know the birds are there, your approach, again, it's all about seeing them first. So like we were going up over that hill, we were, we, we pretty much ran all the way to the base of the hill. And then as we were coming up over it, we were just, we were got on all fours and we just creeped up behind a deadfall, like very, very slowly, uh, shell in the chamber, ready to go. And we were just being very cautious at that point. So like, like that last 20 yards, 30 yards was extremely important. And we peeked up over the top and didn't see anything. So what we did was we backed up, set the decoys, and then we actually set the decoys between us. Um, and, and these birds were coming east to west, and I went north and he went south. And the reason for that, like, actually, he kind of basically stayed with the decoys and I went north. And I just went north because um, he, I asked him, do you want to go north or south? And he was like, I'll go south. You go. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I'm going to go north. Cause it's, again, it's a little hill. They can go around it any way they want. And generally they move to the south. So I was like, Hey, Justin, you should go to the south. Like I want you to shoot this bird. Um, so they're probably going to come that way. And lo and behold, like we got set up, we were in there for, uh, maybe like five minutes. Um, and, and I set these two decoys, like kind of on the top of this hill so that the birds could see them, right? That was, that's the idea is we wanted the decoys to bring the birds closer to us. So the idea that I have behind, and we did not call at all. That's the other thing. So when you're using decoys, I have, I've used a few different types of decoys. I ended up buying the Dave Smith decoys, which are the most expensive, but they are freaking phenomenal. They're great. Um, I can't say enough good things about them. And we set them up and the idea is not nothing more than to get them curious to come in because this little hill is big enough that it's like 80 yards wide that they could skirt us, right? They could get around us in some way, shape or form. So I wanted to at least get their attention to come in. And I knew they liked to scratch up on the top of this hill. I'd been there multiple years in a row and there's always scratching in these oaks. Um, so we set a, a Jake and a hen up on the top of the hill. I knew these were Tom's. I only have a Jake and a hen. It seems to work extremely well. Um, so then I went north, he went south and the birds, there were three Tom's again. Um, two of them kind of hung out a little bit in the marsh more, but one of them came right up the north side, right to me. I shot him at 15 yards. Um, and we were there for like five minutes or so. Like I just kind of was, I was uh, on a deadfall in a big oak. It was actually a really nice setup, worked out extremely well, um, obviously. And this bird just came right into me and he was skirting. But while he was skirting, um, 
not only did the the, the decoys like bring him in because he could have gone a different route. They brought him closer to like that 15 yard range. But the other big thing is all of his attention was on the decoy. He didn't even know I was there. So that's the other big thing about having decoys is getting their attention. And Justin and I, like, yes, the decoys were right between Justin and I, but also I had told Justin, shoot the bird before they get to the decoys. Like he's going to, they're going to come up over this hill and you're going to see them and they're going to see the decoys and then you shoot them. Like don't let them get to the decoys, obviously, because I'm going to be on the other side of them. So what it, what these decoys are going to do, it's going to get them up um, and get them looking in this area. So that was, that was the plan. That's exactly, I mean, it worked out really well. Um, and, and I was able to get a really nice bird out of it. Uh, Justin didn't, those other two kind of hung way back in that, that one that I shot at 15 yards, he was coming to my lap. So it was basically like, I saw him at 40 yards and I could have shot him at 40 and I was, I let him come all the way to 15 before I was like, all right, I got to shoot you before you just like fly out of here or something. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was another way that you can hunt them too, which is with, with decoys. And again, I did not, we did not call at all on that. Um, so the only time I really like to call, so I guess backing up just a second. So if you can get ahead of them and get the decoys up, it gets, it gets their attention off of you. It gives them a reason to come in, gives them a reason to look around. If you have really crappy decoys, it also gives them a reason to run away, right? That's the other big thing. Crappy decoys allow turkeys to see that and they'll take off and run away. So don't like I used to use like the Farm and Fleet special or like the cheapo Cabela's like $10, $20 ones or whatever they are. I think it was like $35 when I bought them. And that would cause turkeys to basically like see them and run away. <laughs> and that made it very difficult. So backing up. Two years ago, um, I was in a, I was kind of like on a four wheel trail and, and again, these, the, the reason the decoys are so important is it gives them a reason to come in and gets their attention off of you. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. And you got to have good ones like the Dave Smith's or I think Avian X makes good ones. I'm not, I'm not sure I've never used them. They just like somewhat seem higher end, um, but you gotta have that. You gotta have that. Otherwise, it's kind of it's kind of worthless. You might as well call. Um, and then at that point, you might as well just kind of call or stalk. Um, and there's another thing I forget what it's called, um, but it's used all the time in elk hunting. And I call it the open door, the open door theory, uh, open door policy, whatever you want to call it. So backing up, oh, well, backing up two years ago, um, I was able to. I saw some turkeys way down a four-wheel trail. They were like 200 yards down the four-wheel trail. It was just a long, straight four-wheel trail, and it had these little hills in it. And I got to the top of one of the hills, glassed up, and I could see them kind of way out there. So I was able to run. Basically, I got off the four-wheel trail, ran through the woods, and closed the gap to about like uh, about 70, 80 yards. And I was on one side of one of these little hills, and they were on the other, and I couldn't get there was no, there was no more brush. I couldn't get any closer to them. That was the problem. So I was stuck at like 80 yards and they were just, there were two toms fanned out three hens right in the middle of the four wheel trail on public ground. And I couldn't get any closer. So what I did in that scenario, and this was, I think this was taught to me 
forget who taught this to me. Some guy, some guy told me it at some point in time, um, but it seemed to work really well. So passing this on is I actually backed up another 20 yards. So I was a hundred yards away from him. I set my decoys and then I moved back in 20 more yards. So I moved to, so I set, I set myself between the turkeys and the decoys so that the, it would hopefully pull the turkeys past me, right? So so that was the idea. And even if they got hung up at 50 yards from the decoys, they'd only be 30 yards from me. That's another huge tip. Like I've done that a couple times and that's been very successful. And this one um, was one of those times. So I set the decoys up kind of like just out of sight from them, okay? So that's like, that's one of the biggest things is just out of sight from them. So like they had to work to a certain point in order to see them. And then even if they got hung up, I could kill them. Like that was, that was the idea. So I backed, I backed that up 20 yards. I set the, I set the decoys up and I kind of stood up at that point, peeked over. They were still in the same spot, hundred yards away, fanned up. So I ducked back down and then I called like just a pop, 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 pop. And then right after I did that, I hustled that 20 yards and I knew exactly where I was going, what tree I was going to set up and what deadfall I was going to be up against. I did everything that I knew I was going to do right away. So I called just a quick Yelp and then hauled ass to that 20 yard spot, got set up as fast as I could. And I was there and I could not see these turkeys at all. So I was there and I was there for 15 minutes um, and nothing. I was there for another 10 minutes nothing. I was like, man, what is going? Like, are they not coming? Like, did they disappear? I can't hear them. They're not gobbling anymore. They weren't gobbling at all. And I heard them gobble like a couple times, but it just wasn't, it wasn't jiving. Something wasn't sitting right. So I crawled like belly crawled back out to the four wheel trail and peeked out there. They were still in the exact same spot. So they just hadn't moved at all. So I, so I, Backed up again, like 10 yards or so, made another call. That was it. And then I ran back over, or then I crawled back over to my original spot, and I waited again. And nothing. (laughs) Those birds were not coming. Um, And I didn't, like at that point, maybe if I was a lot better caller, maybe I would have been able to get them to come in, right? Maybe I would have been able to like entice them to come in faster, quicker, like on a string, whatever, but they weren't coming in. So I crawled back out there again after about 15 minutes of waiting and they weren't coming. So I was like, shit, what do I do? Like, I'm again, not a good caller. So I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to be patient because one of the things the turkey doctor said, I was listening to this on a meat eater podcast. He said, turkeys know exactly where you are when you call. Like they don't really have a whole lot of guessing going on. They know exactly where you were and you bet you if you are within 100 yards like i think it was like 200 yards they know where you are and they heard you it's just they are not interested at this point in time in coming to you he said they had a study where where they had hunters and turkeys gps'd in the same piece of land and hunters would set up and call to turkeys and wait an hour hour and a half and then move and two hours later turkeys would come into that exact spot they'd come in and check it out So all the turkeys, they know where you are when you call. It's just being patient enough to sit in that spot long enough to wait for them to come in. If you're any good, like if they're actually interested. 
So that's what I kept playing in my head. I'm like, they know I'm here. They know I'm here. They haven't seen the decoys. They don't know what's going on yet. They're just not interested at the moment. So I sat there for probably another like 20 minutes. Again, nothing happened. I was like, well, let me go check one more time. And as I go crawling out there, here they are. They're coming to me. They've closed like 30 yards. So they were at uh, 80 yards. Now they're at 50 and they're coming to me. I'm like, oh, sweet. Yes, this is what I was hoping for. And so I get back to my little deadfall. I get set up and I get my gun up and I'm waiting, waiting. And here they come just super slow, like ridiculously slow. And um, I can see them through like the timber, some of this tall, brushy, grassy stuff. And, uh, and he hangs up at like 40 yards. And that's exactly when he saw the decoys. So at like 60 yards from the decoys, 40 yards from me at this point, he's kind of hung up. And it's just the other times, I don't know if they're back further. I can't, I don't, I don't even remember what actually happened, but this was a giant, it's the biggest time I've ever shot um, rope dragger. Like when he was puffed up, his beard was on the ground and he, he puffed up at like 40 yards right there. And he kind of, cause he saw those decoys. I could see like his line of sight and everything. He puffed up, puffed around, spun around a couple times, took about five more steps. Now he's at 35 yards, puffed up, turned around a few more times. And for me, like, like 30, like in my mind, that was too far of a shot. Like I generally shoot the, shoot my turkeys, like 20 to 30 yards. And, and he was at that like 35 yard distance and I didn't have the cleanest shot and he was all puffed up. I wanted him to poke his head out and everything. And so then like just, it was I watched him for a little bit. It was really cool. And then all of a sudden he took a few more steps and he's just straightened right up and just stared right at me. And I was like, no way. How do you see me right now? I don't know what it was, but he knew he knew the jig was up and I, so then I just, I had one racked and I sent it and I got him, knocked him down, um, killed him. Great Tom. Awesome Tom. But the, the moral of that story, like the big, the big learning lesson I should say from that is he hung up on the decoys. If I would have sat on the decoys, I wouldn't have been able to kill him. Right. That's the first thing. Second thing is I only called two times, four yelps twice. That was it. So like, less calling. Like I didn't want to seem like a, you know, like a desperate lady looking for love. I just want to seem like, Hey, I'm here. If you're interested, come on over type of thing. Like that's what I wanted to sound like. And with that Turkey doctor thought in mind, like he knows I'm here. If he's interested, he's going to come over. And then at that point it was just patience. And so after like, and, and having decent decoys and he hung up, not because he, uh, not because he was afraid of the decoys, the decoys sucked or anything, but because he saw, he saw me, but he was strutting out there and, and who knows if he would have made it further or not. Right. So at that point he was about 55 ish yards, 50 yards from the decoys. And you can send one at that range, like, and maybe get them, hopefully get them. But my gun isn't that great. I don't even know what choke I have on it. Like, that's why I want them. I want them close, right? I shoot three and a half turkey loads, three and a half inch turkey loads. And I just, I want them at that 20 to 30 yard range. So I just, I know I'm going to get them. So, so that's like, that's, that's the other big idea is, is separate yourself from the decoys, call a little bit, um, and, and just be patient on it and keep, and when you're going to check, like I even, I got impatient, right? I crawled out to the four wheel trail to check. 
Um, I got impatient because I was nervous. I was afraid he left and I was wasting my time and they were already gone and they didn't want to be, they didn't want to come, whatever. So, but when you do go and check like that, always assume they're still there. Pretend as if they are there. Bring your gun, like bring your setup, like crawl out there, like assume you're making a stalk. Because the second you, you're like, ah, I'm just going to like crawl out there. I'm going to leave my gun against the tree. I'm going to do this, that. You get out there and you're not prepared. He's going to be there, right? He's going to be there. He's going to be in your lap and you're going to be caught off guard. And that's what you don't want to happen. And that has happened to me a lot as well. And that's why I'm telling you, don't do it. All right. So, so, um, getting like, that's like approaching those turkeys, getting set up in those scenarios, getting your decoys either set up like in front of you, behind you. I like behind you so that you're in between so that you're pulling them through you. And then the other thing I mentioned that open door policy, the open door window, whatever open window policy, I forget what it's called. It's used at the terms used in elk hunting a lot. The idea is that the turkey is going to, especially with turkeys being like mainly a visual animal, they are going to go to the area at which point they can see where the sound came from. And if there is nothing there, they are not going to move forward. So like pretend this, like, like you're in your office building and or you're in like some big, I don't know, some you're in your house right? You're in your house and someone says something to you and you can see that they're in the kitchen and you're in your bedroom and you poke your head out and you can see the kitchen from your bedroom and you don't see someone there. They're like, Hey, come here. And you're like, I'm looking out there. You're not there. What's going on? You're like, Hey, come here. And I'm like, there's no one there. I'm not coming over there. Cause I don't see anyone over there. Right. So that's the idea. And turkeys have that same concept when he's coming up over the hill. If he didn't see my decoys there, he would have said, what the hell? Like I could have swore someone was here. I know you're here. Where are you? Like, and that's why turkeys will get hung up if you call without decoys, because they'll get, they'll come to the point at which they can see where, where, where they heard that noise came from. And there, there's nothing there. They get spooky right? And that's when they take off. So if you are calling without decoys, you're running and gunning with just a call on your shotgun, you need to call in an area and then move forward or call in an area where if he pokes his head up over that ridge or through the brush or whatever to see, you have a shot at him. You can't call at an area where he can see you from a hundred yards away and not see any decoys. He's not going to like look across the field and be like, there's no decoys over there, but I'm just going to come running over there. Cause I heard something over there. Like they need the visual verification that something is there. And that's why I started using those Dave Smith's, um, a few years back and they've been fantastic since like I tried using the other decoys. Like I said, they just like, they pretty much gave, gave the turkeys a reason to run away. So I eventually just got these and I lug them around everywhere. I run and gun with them. Like last year, I think one, one hunt we did like that hunt where I killed one. Uh, we were also trying to get Justin one for a while and we did like three and a half miles that day and we lugged those things around the whole day. But the idea is that they were, they're going to be helpful when you need them, right? You want to have them. So, so if you are just calling, like again, call and then like move forward 30 yards. That way, when they get to that point where they can see what they're looking for, they're within range from you. 
right? So just always have that in mind. Uh, that's like a hill would be the best example of that. Like if you call in at the base of a hill and you think he's up over the top of the hill, he's going to come to the top of the hill and look down into the base. And if he doesn't see anything, he's not coming down there. So you better scoot your butt up to the top of that hill, or you got to call from the backside of that hill right near the top and then just sit on the top. Cause that's, cause then he's going to have to come over to see what's over there. If you call at the top of the hill and he's in the bottom and he looks up and doesn't see anything, odds are he's not coming up there because he looking up, he's looking up there and there's nothing there. So he's not coming. So I don't like, I can't, ex- I don't know the best way to explain that, but you guys should be able to get the idea when you're in your scenario, when you're out hunting um, and you hear birds or you're trying to call in birds, just always keep that in mind. Like if you think a bird is 80 yards off to your east and you call and he could see you from there, he's not going to come any closer unless like he's got a reason to. So at that point you need a decoy. Otherwise, like that you got to get to a point that's going to entice him to come closer. Something he can't see, something he needs to come in to check out. He's going to have to, you know, go through a swamp. He's going to have to uh, come up over a hill. He's going to have to go down in a ditch. He's going to have to get out of that woods line that he's been living in all day. Like he's going to have to do something in order to see you. So he's got to move. And that's what's going to entice him to come over. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just going to, you're just going to educate him into that. Like, yeah, there's something over there making noise. It sounds like a turkey, but I'm not seeing turkey. So I'm not heading over there. All right. So that's, that's the whole decoy setup. Um, calling again, like I don't call much. I I have a little list here of things that I wanted to cover and, and I got two more here calling. Um, the thing is, is I've been successful without being able to call very well, just knowing terrains and setting, knowing the terrain, setting up decoys, and then just knowing how to yelp. Like that's all I do. Uh, I use a mouth call. I don't use a slate call just because I always want to have my hands available for me, um, especially in like tight quarter scenarios. So, um, so I always use that, that mouth call. I just yelp. Uh, and then, and I have had like one of my buddies is pretty good Parker and he does all these like sounds and things like that. And (laughs) that's how bad I am. He does all these calls. I don't even know what they are, but he's gotten turkeys to come into us that way. Um, where we've been set up. But the other big piece is that we set up in a prime location in a spot that I know the turkeys like to move through in the midday in the, in the mid morning hours, I know they're going to generally be here. Um, or I have a really good idea that they're going to be here. So then we set up in those areas and then he calls a few times and it brings them a little bit closer and we have the decoys ready to roll. So like that certainly helps as well. Can't deny that at all. Um, now the other piece is, is if you don't know how to call, you don't know if you're a good caller. I have heard the worst yelps ever from real turkeys real hens that are out in front of me that are trying to yelp and sound freaking awful. And I've heard awful gobbles. You're like, what in the world is that? And it's like, it sounds awful. (laughs) So I've heard turkeys make really bad calls. So like you calling and having a bad call or something like that, don't get your like hopes down or anything. Don't be like, oh man, that one sucked. They're not going to come in. They're going to run away. Dude, I think like it doesn't really matter. I've had awful calls. 
man, last, I think last year I was calling to some and the one time like my reed got stuck funny in my mouth and I was like, bah! and I made this really weird noise. I got a response. I got a gobble it was blah, 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 right away. I was like, cool, maybe I should do that more. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things that, that makes it, that makes it difficult, um, is, is just being able to call really well. Um, but I don't think like that's a, it's not a necessity. You can still do really well without being a great caller. Um, and just using like a slate call or even a box call or something like that. You can do well do without that. Um, and the other thing that I would say is like, you never know, like, and you will, will never know that if you were a better call or if it would have worked out at all. Like in the scenario I was talking about before where I yelped twice to that Tom, like maybe if I was a really good caller, maybe I could have got him to come in faster. I, either way, I still killed him, right? Maybe I could have got, got him to come in faster or maybe if I was a really good caller, I would have got more impatient. I would have tried more calls and I would have scared him off, right? There's there's these scenarios that are totally different and you would never know the other, the other way around. Like it just, it is what it is. I do believe that being a better caller is always better than being a bad caller, but just saying, like, we'll never know how any of that shakes out. So there's that. Um, and then, man, I thought about one other thing in that while I was talking right there. Um, it was about calling. I think it was. Shoot. Ah, I had one other good one that I wanted to talk about quick. Maybe I'll remember it here in a second. Um, but the last thing I wanted to chat on is, um, getting set up. So once you, once you find the turkeys and you get here, and this is a very common mistake that, that I used to do all the time. Um, and I witnessed Justin do a couple times last year, which is when you get up, when you get set up, you get to your spot, right? You want to find like, you're like, all right, here's going to be my ambush point. How do I set my decoys up? Where am I going to sit? How am I going to set up and all this? So we already talked about where you kind of put your decoys. It's either in front of you, behind you, whatever. You figure out where you want to put them. The big thing is you need to have them out in an area where they can see them. It gets their attention and it's it's not close to you, right? So like I generally try to put my decoys at least 10 yards away, if not more. And I want them, like if the, if the turkeys are going north to south, I want to set up like 15 to 20 yards to the east of where I think they're going to travel. And I want to put my decoys right where they're going to travel. So, so that way their eyes are off me. Again, it's getting their attention off you. So if you do need to make a movement, you do need to do something, they're looking at those decoys. They're looking somewhere else. They're not looking at you. All right. So then the other thing is once you get set up, all right. Oh, the thing I remembered was... Uh, patience throughout the day. I'll talk about that. Um, give me one second here. All right. So the other thing, once you get set up, all right, you find what you want to do. This is the most important tip I can, I can give. And this is what has helped me kill the last four or five birds that I have. When, once I get set up, I get my gun into firing like 80% into firing position right away. I sit with my knees up. I sit flat on the ground and then I put my gun on top of my knees and I point it in the direction where I think the turkeys are going to be coming from. So like that way, when they come in, I have to move my gun like two inches and I can shoot them. Like that is extremely important. 
You're not picking up your gun from the ground. You're not swinging it far from left to right. You're not like having it down in your lap, pointed in the ground. Like it is up and ready and pointed in the direction that you think those turkeys are coming from. Because like the last two birds, well, not the stock one. Yeah, the stock one for sure. Um, and the one before that with Justin, that one as well. Like both those birds, I had the gun where like... I had the gun on, they, they moved their heads into the beat of my gun. So the gun was up, it was in the area and I had to just wait for them to put their head in, in my gun. I didn't even move at all besides pulling the trigger. So like even that stock one, when I knew they were kind of coming, I got my gun up. I was laying flat on the ground like a sniper and I just set my gun up and I just waited until they put their head in my gun sight. I didn't move at all until they're like, I had to just pull the trigger. Same with the one with I killed with Justin in the Oak Flat, same thing. Same with the one on the four wheel trails, same thing. Had the gun up and they moved into it. When I really screwed up a lot, and I like, so again, like I've hunted this piece of ground for seven, I think seven, eight years now, um, on and off, like in the beginning and now more so much consistently in these last few years. There was many times where I'd have turkeys come in and my gun would be in my lap or pointed at the ground or resting against the tree or something like that, something stupid. And I'd have to grab my gun and swing it and they, and I'd be busted. Like you have to, if you're doing this run and gun style, you have to keep your gun up and you gotta keep, keep it in the right spot. I cannot, like uh, clearly I've been talking about it for five minutes. I can't express how important that is, all right? And the other big thing with after you get your gun up, like make sure your gun's up, but also when you're picking your spot, make sure you have some brush, um, not just behind you. It's actually, in my opinion, it's more important to have brush in front of you. So like you need to have that brushy outline in front of you because if you're thinking about their view coming in, you don't want to be in front of all the brush so then your movement is clear out in the wide open. You have a great backdrop, but your front is, is wide open right? So like if you can get some brush in front of you, that's even better than having a ton of brush behind you. So that's my opinion. Again, like when I get set up, like I will, if I have a down, down tree, I'm going to set up actually on the back side of that down tree and I'm going to put my gun on the down tree. And so it's pointing towards the birds and I'm going to be like kneeling or on all fours or somehow awkwardly set up in there, but that's what I'm going to do versus, um, versus like sit up against that with no cover in front of me. If it's one or the other, like I'm always going to choose the cover in front of me versus the cover behind me, just because like you get more wiggle room that way. It might not be as, as comfortable and you can kind of fidget and whatnot while the birds are, are ways out. But once they get close, like you got to sit still and that just comes down to, you know, finding a position that works for you and grunting it out, especially if it's an awkward position. If you want to kill the birds, sit still. Like that's all you have to do. All right. Um, and then the last thing, last thing that I want to talk about, I know I've been rambling on a little bit, but the last thing is patience throughout the day. A lot of times people are, um, people get up and if it gets sunlight at four, they get to the woods at or get sun, uh, the sun rises at 5 a.m., they get to the woods at 4 a.m., 
they get out there, they get all set up by 4.45, like 4.30, they're in their blind and everything. And by like seven o'clock rolls around and nothing's happening, like people start to get really anxious. They kind of putz around until eight o'clock. They're like, ah, the day's done. I'm out and they leave. The last two birds I've killed were at, I think, I, what did I say? Like one, I've, one o'clock and 11, one o'clock and 10. And the year before that, it was again like 10 and like 9.30. Like last year we had, Justin and I did have birds right off the roost come right to us. Like, and they actually worked in behind us. They were at like six yards behind us and we couldn't do anything about it. Um, just because of the way the whole setup was, it was like, well, here's how it is. They need to work through this open patch in this woods here. Otherwise, if they come behind us, like there's really nothing we can do about it. And we're just kind of stuck. And they did, they worked right behind us. And then Justin tried to swing on them and they, <laughs> they took off. Um, so there was just not even a, a, a chance there, but after that, that was, that happened, you know, at like 6 30, 7 AM. <clears throat> Man, we kind of worked around for another, I don't know, hour or so until like 8.15, 8.30. And we'd been out there since, you know, 4 a.m. or whatever. So we'd been out there for four and a half hours. So what we did was we just sat down on a log, opened up some PB&Js, opened up like, I think I had like Sunny D or something with me, opened up some sodas and bottle of water and just hung out for a little bit. And we were like 30, 40 minutes into having a snack and we heard a gobble go off just like way out in front of us. I was like, dude, did you hear that? Yes, I did. And then all of a sudden again, and this is at like 930. And then we ended up killing that bird at, at 11 o'clock on the Oak flat. Um, so from the time we heard it to the time we killed it about an hour and a half or so. And it was all because we didn't call it quits. We just hung out, sat there, grabbed a snack, took a break. Like that's one of the things people, I think people, um, give up on way too fast is, is not finding birds. Um, and even if you don't, even if you don't find like uh, birds on, say you're hunting a hundred acre piece and you kind of scour the whole thing, uh, turkeys move in and out of the hundred acres probably very often. Um, you scour the whole thing by 9am and there's not a bird. That's okay. Like you can still go back out. Like you can still hang out and just sit on that piece of ground for another hour. The nice thing about turkeys is you can hunt them all day. Like they're out in the move. Like it's not deer where, you know, you're hunting them for the first two hours and the last two hours, uh, except when it's the rut. It's more like the rut where pretty much like throughout the entire day, they can sound off and you can go chase them. That's one of the fun parts about turkey, in my opinion, is you have the entire day to do it. And I've had, I think like four years ago, I was with Parker and he was doing, he was calling and we had six toms come into a set at like 1.30 in the afternoon all of them, we had a terrible set. Like this was my first time in this part of this piece of public. And now I know it a lot better, but we had set up very poorly and I had a bow and these birds were coming and there was just no place for me to hide and get drawn. And they, all six of them saw us. Um, one of them got within like 50 yards and, and I kind of had to like readjust to shoot them. And when I did that, he saw me and took off. And the rest of them saw us at like 80, 90 yards. It was just a bad setup. Like straight up, we just got ourselves in a bad scenario. Um, but <clears throat> other than that, like, I mean, six birds coming in at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's phenomenal. <laughs> like that's phenomenal success uh, on public ground too. And there was no one else. Like no people, 
people don't turkey hunt around those times either. Most people leave by 8 a.m. So, you know, last year, the second bird I killed that I saw, I started hunting. Uh, I got my kids out the door at like 7 a.m. for school and I went to the public ground at 7.30. I just went to, drove around, checked all the parking lots. I uh, knew there was one area and it had three parking lots and there was no cars in it. So I just went out there and that's where I ended up stalking that bird and killing him. Um, Cause I knew no one else was out there so I could just do whatever. Uh, it was, yeah. So it's just one of those things like don't give up. You don't have to be there at the ass crack at dawn and don't give up too fast. Just put your time in, go for a walk uh, around the property. Like, like maybe go shed hunting, go looking for some new, start scouting, like, you know, bring some food, hang out, bring a book. As long as you're in the woods, you have a chance and you have a chance of hearing a gobble and then making a move. Um, and if you're out of the woods, sitting at home on the couch, taking a nap, like it's just not going to happen. Take a nap in the woods. If you're tired, like that's all you have to do. So those are my big, like main run and gun tips. And like I said at the beginning, to wrap it all up, it's basically get out there, hear them, find out where they're going, find out what they're doing, get ahead of them, drop some decoys, make a few calls, hang out, wait, be patient, and then move in. And if they move off, cool. Like, go try them again if they're still in the public. If they're not, go find some other birds. And to that point, like, I think four or five years ago, or three years ago, uh, I hunted in an area f- until one o'clock in the afternoon, couldn't get on any birds, got in the truck, drove around, found some birds on a piece of private ground in a field, went to an adjacent piece of public, made a couple calls with some decoys, boom, they were in my lap in like 45 minutes and I killed one. So like that can easily happen too. Like don't, like even if you got to get back to the truck, drive to another piece of public, go check out something else go check out something else. Like even if you're hunting private, you have 40 acres and you're hunting that, it doesn't work out. Go check a piece of public down the road, pull up on X, go look at pieces of public, drive around, you know, go get a coffee, whatever, go get a Red Bull, Monster, whatever you drink, go drive around. Like it's still worth your time taking that day to just go hunt um, and just not giving up and calling it quits and going to sit on the couch. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hope it was helpful for some of you. Again, um, I would really appreciate it if you, any if any of you listeners, if if half you listeners came to the uh, came to the playground 3D shoot, that would be phenomenal. Uh, I would really appreciate that. So again, the playground 3D shoot is my family's private ground, our private hunting ground, uh, and it is on June 17th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's just outside of Dodgeville, Wisconsin. It costs 40 bucks, gets you lunch, gets you unlimited shooting for the entire day. And again, two courses, seven target courses, $1,000 in prizes. Like it's well worth the money um, and it should be a great time with some good people. All right. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Got some got some guests lined up here over the next few weeks to come, come in, talk some more turkey hunting, talk some deer hunting. Uh, I got a mushroom guy that I'm trying to get on, which I just want to know more about mushrooms and foraging and stuff like that this time of year. So that'd be pretty cool. So anyway, stay tuned for all those. Uh, I hate saying that. I, that's one thing I gotta like. I don't say stay tuned, and I don't like it when people say that anyway because it's like, well, if you're gonna listen, listen. Like if you're not, I don't need to tell you to stay tuned because if you found this exciting enough, you're gonna stay tuned on your own. I don't need to tell you, hey, please listen to me. 
Uh, that's dumb. I hate that. Anyway, keep an eye on the podcast. There should be some fun podcasts coming out here soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Catch you next time.